0: Godless sodomites.
1: Hey, listeners, this is Chaz. Hope everybody's doing well out there, staying safe. Uh, today is going to be part two of the Charles Parham story, but episode three of our tongue series. The last time we checked in on Charles Parham, he had a school in Houston, Texas, where he blessed William J. Seymour to go to Los Angeles to start the Azusa Street Revival and now old charles is going to get himself stuck in a couple of pickles so stick around find out what happens but first we need to do the most important thing and that is to bow our heads take the hands of the people next to you and if you're driving let jesus take the wheel
0: we'll exercise judgment right now because we have the name of jesus oh thank
1: you jesus
0: standing in the office of the prophet of God, I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. I execute judgment on you, Satan. You destroyer, you killer, you get out, you break your power, you get off this nation. I demand judgment on you. I demand, I demand, I demand. A vaccination to come immediately. Yes. This could be love.
1: parham in this time after hearing from uh, seymour uh is going to be pulled in multiple directions literally and figuratively during this time period uh in september 1906 parham ventured to zion illinois
2: <laughs> zion
1: illinois was founded by faith healer and just an all-time grifter john alexander dowie that's 15 um, minutes what away from turd. me. oh really yeah. One of my, I have family. My, my wife has family. Lose her. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Dowie's definitely going to get his own episode because he is he a is tremendous a, piece of shit. Um, yeah. He's
2: just a, a terrible turd.
1: Yes. Uh,
2: Everything I read about him, I was just like, God damn it. Dude.
1: <laughs> John Dowie uh, founded his own city with his believers. Um, it was all about money. And this guy deserves an own episode. But basically, def- he defrauded his followers of millions of dollars. Um, imagine Joel Joel Osteen with his own municipality. Um, he oh, had wow. over six thousand people living in Zion um, from nineteen oh three to nineteen oh five. Dowie was just going crazy with the money. Uh, he essentially defrauded all of his own people. He went on world tours. Um, he had. He had to cut one short to come home and calm people down that the finances were going out of control. Um, he planned to move some operations to escape the uh, the bullshit he was going through in in Chicago uh, and with all the legal issues to Mexico. He went to and came back from Mexico in 1905 uh, before his trip back to Mexico. Again, he suffered a stroke mid sermon. Um he still bounced out of mexico though um to to spend time recuperating between mexico and jamaica um so if you guys follow that uh he basically defrauded his whole town of a bunch of money Uh, he wanted to go he went across the country and world tours and spent millions and millions of dollars of his people's money then he comes back goes to set up an operation in mexico comes back to tell everybody about it, has a stroke, still fucks off to Mexico and Jamaica. Um, Good so back, him. yeah, back in Zion, the town is starting to come apart. The citizens of his own town were finding out about his financial management, mismanagement, his embezzlement, polygamy, and just being an overall shit bag. So Dowie sent three people back to get the get the town back in shape. Uh, they started doing reasonable things like selling off and leasing off some of Zion's properties and businesses. Once Dowie hears about this, he contacts Wilbur. I have a hard time with the last name, but Volova. Uh Volova in Australia sure. and tells him to come back and gain control of the city. In February 1906, Volova instead tries to uh-huh. take control of the town. <laughs> Once he sees how bad Dowie fucked everything up and a power struggle ensues between Dowie's followers and Volva's new crew. Um, (laughs) Dowie comes back to represent himself against these charges, but he is partially paralyzed and he's lost pretty much all his power and he's forced to retire in Zion. Some of the people uh, not happy with either Dowie or the new leadership got in contact with Parham. And Parham saw an opportunity and went to Zion. Um, now, I don't believe Parham went to Zion to take it over, because that wasn't what he was. Uh, he went there to gain followers and gain some money. Um, he always rejected leadership roles in many churches and organizations across the country. Uh, even when he was at home, at a home base in like Topeka or Houston or later Baxter Springs, he was still on the road all the time. Um he came to town in September 1906, and within ten days, uh, already had stolen 300 congregants away from the new leadership with uh, with Volva, Volleva, Volova, um, volva He's doing a lot vulva. of
3: disservice. He's doing a vulva. lot of disservice to Volva right now. Yeah.
1: V o l v i a, <laughs> volva Bolivia. Vulva. Bolivia. Vol. Via Volvia.
2: Yeah, It sounds like it I'm is. saying
1: rural over and over again. Rural, rural, <laughs> rural, rural. Um, oh, okay, we'll just go with Volva. Volva? vulva. All yeah, I'm saying is go. that w- all
3: I'm saying that with what's going on right now, this is just gonna end up with a really irritated vulva.
1: Yes, yes, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but i'm bump uh (laughs) the topeka daryl daily herald reported parham says that he has taken a deep interest in the zionist movement since its inception and he has uh followed the teachings of zet dowie he asserts that god appeared to him in a dream two weeks ago and told him that volva was a false prophet
3: oh, shit. and would lead
1: the people of Zion into ruin.
2: Oh, Ten shit. days
1: ago, Parham says that the spirit again appeared to him in Topeka and commanded him at once to go to Zion and combat the evil influences of Vol- uh, Voliva.
3: This is fucking crazy. He's like yeah. just showing up in a town and he's like, I don't even want to be here, okay? God's like, get your ass over there. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, this guy's running the town to shit get over that buddy that's fucking uh, crazy
1: um i've read numerous accounts that said that parham had enough power to overtake volova uh, who ran the city like a tyrant um he was he was almost as bad if not worse than Dowie. um he was just better with money uh for to start off anyway um uh, i also saw that parham had nothing more than an annoyance was nothing more than an annoyance uh, but whichever story is true, Volvo was worried about Parham. Uh, on future episodes, I want to dive into some of the other leaders of Zion. Uh, and I'm sure that some of the names that we're going to talk about in a little bit uh, will, pop, will pop up as we go. Um, and a good amount of these people are just absolute terrible humans um, concerned with money and power and wanted nothing more to the control. And they were pretty racist. His followers become known as the Paramites. Is uh, that right? Mm-hmm. Paramites. I think oh, so. Parhamites. parham mites. Paramites. We'll just go with paramites. Paramites. I'm
2: sorry. Every par-mites. time we we see I see that word as I've been researching, uh, my brain thinks parham ham. And yes. I'm like, ooh, I could go for a sandwich mm, or a charcuterie. Parham. Parham par-ham-ham.
3: I actually um, knew a dude i went to uh middle school with a our uh, middle school with a guy named kendall parham it's spelled the same way oh, really? it was pronounced parham and it was the only nice. person i've ever met like that well thanks for you know reminding me of that <laughs>
1: <laughs> so at this time parham is still being called to los angeles uh he had established a big enough following not africa, that huh? no not not africa i think that's still on the back burner um ah.
2: Not the street corner either,
1: huh? Yeah, not the street corner. Uh, not the one in uh, L.A. anyway. Uh, no, the Anastasia. one
2: <laughs> I've seen that movie with Richard Gere.
1: Which now means I'm just a
2: Pretty Woman.
3: Well, oh, Pretty Woman, now, yeah. Now I'm just imagining this picture of Charles Parham I have in front of me with, it, with him in drag. <laughs>
2: <laughs> in the dress so, from Pretty Woman.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Weird wig and everything. Uh, He had established a big enough following that he believed he could leave and visit his offshoot ministry in Los Angeles. Uh, He travels to Azusa Street to visit his blessed student, William J. Seymour, and comes to bring his blessings to the young but exploding movement. The church was abuzz, waiting for Parham to arrive. Seymour had spent the better part of a year preaching the teachings of Parham and talking him up. Uh, And the baptism of the Holy Spirit was evident in their own church. He was coming to see us and to bless us. Parham arrived at the service, greeted Seymour, and proclaimed to the church, God is sick to his
3: stomach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? God is sick because of the world, right? God is sick to his stomach because of the state of the world and we are the medicine, right? (laughs) Nah. (laughs) According to Parham, and- Nah, man. (laughs) (laughs) According to Parham, and explained later.
3: I have seen meetings where all crowded together around the altar and laying across one another like hogs, blacks and whites, mingling this should be enough to bring a blush of shame to the devils, let alone angels. And yet all this was charged to the Holy Spirit? All our public services should be for this identification of the church, not to get worked up into an animalism creating magnetic currents, tending to lust and free love rather than purity. In
1: 1912, Parham said, these Us street revivals. Men and
3: women. Whites and blacks knelt together or fell across one another. Frequently, a white woman, perhaps of wealth and culture, could be seen thrown back in the arms of a big buck, redacted, and held tightly, this as she shivering and shook in freak intimidation of Pentecost. Horrible, awful shame.
1: So Parham tried to control Seymour and his congr- congregants, but after a few services, Parham was banned from Azusa Street. But Parham had also had enough. Uh, He took the group already with him, the ones loyal to him and Azusa, and also those white people who were tired of being with the black people um, across town to the Women's Christian Temperance Union building uh, and held competing revivals. One article I read stated, there was a great blessing and many who had previously attended the Azusa Street meetings experienced deliverance from evil spirits um i think we all know Before. what that is code for so
2: alcoholism
1: no black people
2: oh well my mind went someplace totally different <laughs>
1: <laughs> i guess that's a good thing because
2: of prohibition
1: yes no i get what you're saying yeah yeah i uh i think it's a that's a little bit too on the nose for I, that news article i think um <laughs> So on the surface, we had a man that worked with lower classes, believed in ministering to the black population and spreading his message among them. But what we got was a complete opposite. And the question is why? Um, because I mean, we could account it to the normal everyday, uh, type of racism that was going on back in the early 1900s. Um, and not that that would be fine, but it would be somewhat understandable. Um, but uh get your shovels ready because we're going to do some digging this is where we'll dive into his teachings (laughs) of his book a voice crying in the wilderness and his uh, other book the everlasting gospel
3: oh man you got me there for a second you had me for one second (sighs) yes the everlasting Uh, gospel fuck this i'm out yeah yeah
1: (laughs) So Charles Parham had some interesting views that would go beyond the racial norms of the day. Parham's view on segregation is seen as normal for the day, but upon a deeper look, that is a denial of the truth. So when you're looking up Charles Parham, you're going to find a lot of people that that are supporters of him that pretty much ignore this whole uh, side of his life or say that it's over-exaggerated. Well,
2: you kind of have to, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, to start off, Parham believed in annihilationism. Um, eternity was only for believers. Non-believers were destroyed while believers lived eternally in heaven. So basically that there is no hell. Um, so that's controversial to begin with. Um, but uh, not really racist. Uh, not yet. Did you guys know that God created man on the sixth day? but then also formed another class of human on the eighth day? No. No. I feel you like didn't. this
2: is about to get
1: really racist. The humans that were formed on the eighth day were formed from the dust of the earth. The atomatic race. Atomic, <laughs> atomic race. Not atomatic. Atomic race. The humans created on the sixth day are made Props of... Props to the, you for in, not
2: saying atomic. Yeah, yeah. that's (laughs) totally what I would have said.
1: (laughs) The humans that were created on the sixth day are made in the image of God and put on the earth to rule it. The humans formed on the eighth day were made of the earth and must work in the Garden of Eden. When Adam sinned, God promised him a redeemer. He did not promise a redeemer for the sixth day creation. When Cain killed Abel, he fled to Nod. He married a six-day creation. So Cain is of Adam and was born on the eighth day of the eighth-day creation. He killed Abel, went to Nod, married a six-day creation. Did you know that when these two groups of people were mated, they had an offspring, and that offspring was called the Nephilim? For the love of fuck. What? (laughs) What?
3: Wait a minute. Did you just say that (laughs) Cain was an eight day creation? So does that mean like two days after Adam and Eve were made?
1: Yes. So Parham believes that each day of creation (laughs) took a thousand years, which is not uncommon because I've heard that before, but he believed that God God created a group of men, a group of humans in his image on the sixth day. He also created a group of human race on the eighth day that were the people that were supposed to work the garden they sinned against god god promised them a redeemer in the bible but he didn't promise the six-day creation of redeemer and then once
2: no he didn't promise the eighth day creation of no redeemer. he promised he the promised the sixth day
1: no he promised the eighth, the eighth day
2: was the people from the dust from the ground
1: right yes but they were they were the ad, ad, adamic race adamic race So they were of Adam. So you're saying
3: basically he was like, God was like, I'm going to, I'm going to send you a redeemer. But he was like, but I'm not going to send you one of your people. I'm
0: going to send you one of the new ones.
1: Yes. So when they, when the sixth and the eighth day creations made it, they, they produced the Nephilim. God gave both races a period of time to correct their mistakes, which was 120 years. They did not. <laughs> what? The great flood was a punishment from God for race mixing and was sent ah. to destroy the Nephilim in both races of man. But he chose Noah and his family because they were of the original true bloodline of Adam.
3: <sighs> Jesus
2: Christ. Yikes.
1: And this is what he like said. triple yikes. Thus began the woeful intermarriage of races For which cause the flood was sent in punishment. Air time to last and intermarriage continues between the whites, the blacks, and the reds in America. Consumption and other diseases would soon wipe out mixed bloods off the face of the earth. So, that is one of his beliefs. Parham also believed in British Israelism. Do you guys know what British Israelism is?
2: No clue. No.
1: Okay. The 12 tribes of Israel split. Two of them formed Judah, while the other 10 formed northern Israel. Assyria defeated the 10 tribes, which was scattered. British Israelism believes that those 10 tribes went north and west and ended up settling Western Europe. Jacob's favorite oh, son, no. Joseph, got a double inheritance and thus was able to form two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. And that these two tribes ended up being the settlers of Britain as well as the new settlers of the United States.
2: God tells Jacob, what
1: the fuck? God tells Jacob that his descendants will be a nation, the United States and that the company of nations is the the united kingdom there is also a belief that the british monarchy is actually a bloodline that goes all the way back to adam there's a list of it in the wow. book if you want to look it up um it's a it's a long list of about i think about five or six pages of just a bloodline going from adam to uh or david i can't remember you're david or adam that went all the way does it to say how old the day.
2: earth is is it six thousand years
1: It starts off at 6,000 on the sixth day. So it would be 8,000 after the eighth day creation because he believes that there's eight eight days of creation. And I think if I remember reading over some of his passages, he does believe that the earth is older than 6,000, like in the millions, but I could be wrong. He also believes in Zionism, but not the Zionism we have today. This belief is that the true Jews, the UK and the US, (laughs)
2: The should true build Jews. a new
1: the true Jews do, if I have to say it again um should build a new Israel <laughs> they
3: should do it, one it more time
1: but d- the true Jews <laughs> should build a new Israel but do it by just That's buying a the area for ten million dollars. These beliefs have yeah. been mirrored and used in Christian identity which is going to get its own episode, and I know we keep saying that, but it's a very dangerous white supremacist ideology. Um,
2: yes, very dangerous.
1: And I have a feeling that our church, like our church, I believe that a lot of the evangelical church extreme side of it is dangerously te- teetering towards that. Um, Absolutely Agreed. agreed. Yeah. According to Parham's own belief, he determined that white Anglo Saxons in America, as well as the Hindus, the Japanese, the High German, the Danes, the or the tribe of Dan, the Scandinavians, what about the sober German? No, they that's not a thing. Um, the oh, Scandin- okay. the Scandinavians were actually part of the Ten Lost Tribes of Israel, while the Gentiles were no. comprised of the Russians, the Greeks the Italians, the low Germans, the French, and the Spanish. The low Germans.
2: Yeah, but not I, sober Germans.
1: <laughs> Basically, all nations not dominated by... Not the high by, Germans. Yeah, not the high Germans. Were dominated by non-Protestant Christianity. Then a the third category, the heathen, was made oh, of... Oh,
2: wonderful. Okay. The okay, third here category. we go. I'm sure it's going to be beautiful.
1: Wrap in. This is fun. <laughs> The third category, the heathen, was made up of the black race, the brown race, the red race, and the the yellow race.
2: Oh Oh,
1: man, he did. He determined the
2: race of yellow.
1: Uh, Yeah.
2: Well, oh, we don't use that term anymore. White, they are precious.
1: They changed it.
2: that's the way i was taught as a kid
1: though yep uh he determined this through a variety of pseudo historical means but it's the hell that means that it was just bullshit uh (laughs) but it seems the most compelling evidence for his theory was god's promise that israel be the head and not the tail of nations thus his historical view was predominantly guided by the current industrial and imperialistic success of the contemporary nations, while the heathen he believed would be given to Jesus for an inheritance and could be cons- could receive Christianity. It was n- nothing so like less... slavery.
2: Like you could give somebody as an inheritance, like he
1: slavery. Be- he believed that they could be saved, but they are not um in position of leadership like they're not in a position to rule the earth they are not they're they they are the heathen that need to be saved um it was nothing less the descendants of abraham which included the anglo-saxons who were biblically ordained as superior so this is the guy that we form uh the pentecostal religion on um
2: Seems now, like be- a quality fella.
1: Oh, yeah, big time. Uh now before we go on, because it's I never say like
2: the grossest dudes ever who are white. No, I've seen a red flag. Like, they're always
1: no red flags. Zero, mm-hmm. zero warning signals going off. Nothing. Zero. Um uh at the he's still in LA, uh, but he only spent a few months there. Um, he had lost all type of leadership in the Pentecostal movement in LA in LA. Uh, And decided to go back to Zion, Illinois in December 1906. He held some big events, but when asked to be the leader of the church, he declined. This is where things began to sour in Zion for Parham. Some of his close Uh associates were starting to take his followers away and replace him as the leader of the apostolic faith. Or he was running away from something. Like what? Rumors and news articles started in Zion in late 1906 that Parham was involving himself in homosexual acts with young boys. Mm-hmm. He claimed he had claimed to his close friend, Howard gloss that his friend WF Carruthers had been using letters in things that he had told him in confidence against Parham. Now, this might be this might be due to a power struggle within the city of Zion. Uh, There are accusations that these rumors and what happens next were with the making of Wilbur Volova. Um, Either way, there is some powerful people who wanted him out of the way. Uh, He left town for Canada and New England Uh, while he was gone. His kids were made fun of and recalled. Get this, guys. The kids were called part ham because (laughs) Zion outlawed pork. That's... You fucking part hams!
3: Yeah, you're illegal, you town. fucks. You don't belong
1: here.
2: You're illegal.
1: We don't allow pork, you part ham. You, um, yeah, your dad's got a weird mustache. Ridiculous! Your dad's got a
3: weird mustache. He talks weird. <laughs> and no chin. <laughs> no chin.
1: Do you think his mustache tickles dicks when they go in his mouth? <laughs> yes. Oh, I do. And I wrote False. about it. <laughs> Sarah also got a letter with accusations, probably of Charles butt fucking across the Midwest. Uh, she, she took the kids back to Kansas and waited for Parham as he made his way back to Zion. In February 1907, Gloss and Carruthers held a revival in a short term Bible college in Waco, Texas. Behind Parham's back, this is where they discuss the rumors of Parham's butt-fucking boys, and Parham had confessed to Car- and what Carham had confessed to Carruthers. Uh, they decided they needed to start taking over the Apostolic Faith Churches in revivals and to push Parham out. Um, in March, John Dowie dies, and Parham made his way back to Zion and held another big service. But thanks to Volva, uh, he was not allowed to use any of the buildings in town, so his followers had a big tent construction for him to preach in, uh, near the town water tower. The service was it was a big success, for Parham's influence and power had decreased greatly, thanks to the rumors. Uh, some of his followers in the Parhamites had already taken steps to take control of the city away from him. Um, so, for some reason, I couldn't find anywhere, but the water tower fell down on the tent in Parham's residence. Um, so Parham left Kansas, then went to Texas. But the rumors of him bub fucking boys across the West had followed him there. July 18th, 1907. Oh, shit. Parham is in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, he is, where he is teaching a, uh, at a local ministry and he is arrested. You want to he arrested? That? what was he arrested for? He was arrested for having sex or being accused of having sex with a young man named J.J. Jordan.
3: I believe Uh, the offense was officially called the commission
1: of an unnatural offense. (laughs) Yes, yes. You can use those nice terms. Um, But yeah, he was caught uh, through uh, through a peephole in his room. And uh, the, the biggest issue is with all this is that some of the people that were accusing him were from uh, Boliva's uh, sister church down in Texas. Um, so there is that, but there's also just the uh, overall creepiness in backstories that had been following him that kind of solidified this story for a lot of people. Um, yeah i
3: saw that the details on it were like super sketchy and stuff but that was the main thing i saw too is the people thing but there were other theories that it happened in a car that it happened in an alley and i'm really pissed that i don't have my fucking notebook because i wrote this really funny like weird sexy send up of it and i was like this is gonna be fucking funny when i read it
0: The year is 1907, and Charles Barham, father of the Pentecostal revival, is looking at more than sweat to a man's back in the high July heat. The details of where this act of passion occurred were muddled. Some reports say a hotel, some say a car, or even in an alleyway. My thoughts? Why not all of them? Who's to say that Parham didn't let his passion take flight? When he met J.J. Jowarden, he felt his mustache twitch and it was all over. He knew he needed a moisturizer for his facial hair, and the one that he had already wasn't getting the job done. Now, nobody knows who reported them, but... There was no other record of Jordan besides when he stole 60 bucks from a hotel. Huh. Parham was in a bad voice. The case was quickly thrown out and neither man was charged. My guess? They were letting the guards enjoy a quick show they liked to call Where Does Parham Start and Jordan End?" That title had an answer. It's on Parham's mustache. There are four main theories as to what happened. Five if you count my slash fishing I'm working on. Number one, Parham was closeted. My take on that, no shit, Sherlock. Number two, it was a setup by rivals to discredit him. My take on that one—you like that, wouldn't you, Mrs. Parham? But your husband liked to wash more balls with his tongue than a shagger on the ninth hole at a PGA tournament. Theory three: Police set him up to run him out of town. My take on that one—well, that seems possible. And do you remember how wiener Wild Parham was? Theory four. Jordan falsely accused, and my take on that, this is fucking stupid. Why would he want to take the chance in a Texas town in the early 1900s to put himself on trial for having done that with a priest? Plus, Parham was seriously drooling for Dong. The only real way to know what happened would be to look at the rest report. But by perfectly timed miracle, just like being immaculately conceived once your husband notices you're pregnant when he has not touched you, the report was shortly lost after their arrests Before trial could even be considered. The world may never know what truly happened to Parham's face and butt that one meeting. But, if you purchase my book that is now on pre-order on Amazon, titled I'm the Collection Plate Now, The Story of Charles Parham's Mustache, you will know what happened. Not just that once, but all damn time. Let your freak flag fly. Yeah.
2: Oh, I absolutely
1: 100% believe that he was a homosexual. Um, I believe that he confessed stuff to friends and those friends were shitty people and used it against him. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. That's the reason why he traveled the the West so often and was never home. Um, and why he wouldn't make sense to me. Why he wouldn't take a position of lead. I know he was very anti-leadership and very against setting up like a permanent residence for himself, like, uh, church-wise
2: commercialism in church.
1: Yes. Uh, but, uh, I think that he used. Partially, probably use that as a way to be gay and not have to be home. You know, poor and guy. That's true. Like traveling and stuff, like hiding. A yeah, stuff. yeah. Because you say like, in I town know he's a you...
2: piece of shit, but I still do feel bad for him that he couldn't be his authentic self.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that does suck. I I just think that like if you stay in town and a small town like Baxter Springs, which is where he lived the rest of his life. Um, those rumors are going to come around if you start fucking around in town, you know. Yeah, you, you can't stay... t- this yeah.
2: You yeah. can't keep a secret in a small town.
1: Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So he gets arrested. Um. And no charges are ever brought against him. Uh. There was uh apparently a record of his his um confession that was sent and distributed around Zion. And uh, around the people that uh, <laughs> wanted to get rid of him. Um, Wasn't
3: there like supposedly like his partner, he confessed to him and he told him it was just like a one-off, one-off thing. It was a, it was a lapse of like judgment yeah, or something like it that. Was, a week, well, it was a Carruthers. Weakest.
1: Yeah. Carruthers. Yeah. This, this friend Carruthers that he confided in. And this, this Goss guy is the, one of the, found. Uh, I'm going to go into it, one of the founding members of the assembly of the God church. Um, nice. So Yes. Uh, but yeah, um, just as all his accusers were about to rip him apart in what seemed could have been a bloody and brutal fight, Parham does the one smart thing and he backs away um, from the spotlight and slows down. He a, finds a permanent home in Baxter in Baxter Springs, Kansas. Not a ton, not a ton is known about his life at, past this point, and he never reaches the letter, level of popularity or power again. Parham is out of the picture when it comes to Zion, and he, he has already lost uh, his foothold in that town, but that didn't stop his followers from doing other things. Uh, Chrissy, could you inform us of what happened in Zion after Parham had left?
2: So the Parhamites uh, remained very, very uh, zealous and um, fervent in their belief they um decided that they were going to cast out devils out of people mm-hmm. in the congregation so the first victim i'm going to call them victim yeah. of the parham congregation was a woman named leticia green hello
1: yeah it's something like that yeah
2: something like that green <laughs> there we go it's very german <laughs> anyway, uh, poor Letitia, uh, she's 64 years old, she's an invalid, and she suffered with rheumatism. Um, the Paramites, in their crazy obsession with everybody being healthy or else they are um, sinning, yeah. wanted to heal her rheumatism, and they did an exorcism
1: yeah. that
2: ended up killing this woman. Her arms were broken her legs were broken and her neck was broken yep so they basically just beat her to death
1: i i was reading about part of this and part of their big issue was that they took the teachings of charles parham with Mm -hmm. you know laying on hands holy spirit and everything and combined it with dowie's belief of exorcism and there's Mm -hmm. there's reports that there were deaths in zion Due to exorcisms prior to this, but they were covered up. Um, well, now and after the that's...
2: third victim, yeah, after the third victim, um, that they know about, they think it's possible that there might have been, um, as many as 12 more, but the coroner was trying to suppress the information
1: by the paramites or by the town in general.
2: Um, trying to suppress the information about the paramites
1: oh, to everybody.
2: Wow. Because it was national news.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Everybody was looking at like there's the um, when Leticia was killed, it was a national headline. Mm -hmm. uh, It said twisted a devil out. Uh, More Zion City brutality.
3: What the fuck?
2: Paramites give athletic treatment to sick women to drive the devils out.
1: Yeah. So this seems like it's being made into a very fucked up like a uh, Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So so uh and so then, first victims, first victims get uh invalid, rheumatic rheumatic uh fingers, rheumatic- or whatever, right? Yeah, rheumatism
2: rheumat- rheumatism, so arthritis.
1: Oh, yeah, old woman.
2: Yeah, old lady. Um victim mm-hmm. two, um a teenage boy named Frank Crow. Um he had typhoid fever and he was mm-hmm. refusing water. This one this one just makes me so sad. Um he was refusing water so the fingers the the killers jammed their fingers down his throat mm-hmm. and slashed his tongue to try to force him to drink water.
1: Yeah. Mm. And the
2: the, head, the headline for that was um boy died of fever was tortured to drive out devils. Which is just <laughs> Terrifying, and then things change because after victim after um, Frank Crow died, the coroner started suppressing information, and so all you hear is that for victim number three, Bertha Young, nineteen years old, killed by paramites. They don't go into any, no,
1: yeah, yeah, no information on how or
2: no, no, nothing, yeah. and then they think there might be as many as twelve more victims.
1: Wow. Uh, wow. But
2: they don't know because the coroner kept suppressing things.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like a town run by by religious figures would cover anything up. So but, uh, it it's shocking. Like it would... Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there were uh, there's I'm we're going to do an episode on Dowie and Zion. Um, but I I really want to dive into like this exorcism thing that he believed um, because it's a disaster. So did those people scene. get arrested? Well, did... No. One person got arrested. They did? I think so. I think one person got arrested, and the rest kind of skipped town. That's... See...
2: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Here it is. On November 15, 1907, Harold Mitchell was convicted of manslaughter. Yeah. The four other Paramites... Who assisted in the death of Letitia Greenhoff, huh, um, including Mitchell's high priestess wife, were acquitted.
1: So, so just one person they had a yeah. fall die Yeah. For and manslaughter. Then, and then some of the other leaders skipped town, including John Lake, who is a humongous piece of garbage, um went to South Africa and started the South African Pentecostal uh church there um but uh these people left town penniless because part of the thing with living in zion is that you had to sign your lease over to the church for a thousand years so you when you leave the church you have no property no money no anything so uh a lot of these people had bounced and like with zero money and it's interesting how John Lake ended up in in South Africa. But we'll we'll go over that another time. So but uh, yeah, so three people known as dead and then up, possibly up to 12. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah,
2: it's they, they aren't sure because of the suppression by the coroner, um, you know, they're they're linked to several deaths, especially several deaths of children
1: yeah 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 it's it's terrible but it's uh yeah they mixed the two cocktails and got something really bad on the other end you know and holy cow yeah but it also makes me wonder how many deaths actually occurred in zion uh when dowie was in control of there and believed in exorcisms uh i'm
2: thinking so- a lot more than are
1: reported oh yeah absolutely and we, the way he ruled that it's kind of making me want to go down
3: there and like see if what i can find about it. like there's monuments or like little fucking things dedicated to people you know what i mean
1: yeah uh i mean if I you wonder. go through some of the some of the stuff i'm gonna cite for sources it has pictures in of zion in there um so but
3: yeah there's uh, a little duck pond down there actually that uh me and my wife and the kids always take the kids to and feed them bread and stuff like since they were babies so Been there a bunch.
1: uh, Parham traveled throughout the country uh, on his last years, but Baxter Baxter Springs would remain his home until his death. He still traveled to L.A. and held meetings, uh, but did not associate with Azusa Street or Seymour as they remained foes for the rest of their lives. Howard Goss would uh, go on to be a founding Cornerstone member of the Assemblies of God and the United Pentecostal Church once parham was out of the way parham wrote another book in 1911 called the everlasting gospel which we kind of already just basically reiterates a lot of the stuff he had already talked about um in the first chapter of the book he doubles down on the eighth day of creation um uh it's also very apocalyptic uh and it's a lot of it deals with like the end of the world and everything um in 1912 parham had an open argument with another prominent pentecostal minister william durham uh it became known as the battle of the hams um nice um Parham called him a false prophet, and that God would either kill Durham or himself to prove who was right. There Durham died of pneumonia one. in Los Angeles less than six months later. About a bang, about a boom. Parham was still I'm not saying I'm right, but <laughs> <laughs> there's the proof. Um, Parham was still a popular minister and could draw hundreds to thousands. Uh, he went back to Zion in April 6, 1916, and he held a successful medium, which which probably meant a few hundred people. Nothing really reported after that, uh, as far as Zion goes. Um, now, this wasn't the end of an issue with Parham. Parham used World War I to push his apocalyptic views at the same time, what? taking a passive pacifistic line and pushed his followers to get exemptions from serving. He called volunteers. Self-appointed murderers who received nothing short of 30 pieces of silver. Perfect.
2: Getting a little bit of JFK up in there. Yeah,
3: yeah a little, little bit of... I was Mare, the Kennedy coming out. Mayor Quimby. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> in 1927, Parham announced his endorsement of the KKK. No way. Wow. <laughs> and even held a Just meeting... Just when you in-
2: think he couldn't get any
1: worse. <laughs> He Even held a meeting in Saginaw, Michigan, at the invitation of the clan. In 19- as you want to do, <laughs> as you do, yes, you get invited, you go. That's how that's how it works. RSVP, respectfully
2: <laughs> decline. I'm gonna go ahead and respectfully decline on that one. <laughs>
1: it's like Please RSVP by August 28th.
2: But what uh, will I wear? <laughs> <laughs> sheets i think they were
1: sheets oh yep yep there you go (laughs) sarah you have to wash these everyone has (laughs) them
3: lying around the house
2: (laughs) well these hello Uh, kitties that are mostly white work
1: (laughs) pardon the pee stain yeah in in late
2: 1928
1: parham decided that he wanted to visit the motherland so he went to palestine for three months uh he returned Please. home. I thought you were gonna wanted...
2: say Germany. I yeah. really thought you were gonna say right.
1: Germany. Are you so not following I. this, Chrissy? The motherland is following. Palestine. <laughs>
2: oh yeah. I I yeah, how, how silly of me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he They're returned the
3: mustache on
1: his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This guy would have fucking loved Hitler. Jesus Christ. Um, he, he he returned home and wanted to show off his trip with a series of slideshows one night in 1929 he was showing off his slides and collapsed oh, he died a few days later on july 29 what? 1929 in baxter springs kansas he was 55 uh somebody being really the hard
2: he sh- that he would die Right. show Because it was so fucking. Boring. Might,
1: I was, I was literally about
3: to say, "Can you imagine being the person he's showing them to?" And He was just like, "Oh my God, somebody fucking kill me!" It just fucking <laughs> drops. I <laughs> said we were, me, we just, not him. And then this is when we were White River rafting. Oh Lord!
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the shells I picked up on the beach. <laughs>
1: These oh my are my God. favorite sheets. <laughs> <laughs> 25 p pe- 25 people I wish. Uh 25 th- 25,000 people were said to have attended his funeral. Uh and he has been given responsibility of converting over 2 million people. Uh before we leave Charles Parham beh- behind, I'd like to state that even to the end, as far as I can see, Parham did not change his belief that the Holy Spirit only gave the gift of earthly languages and not spiritual. Parham said, Two thirds of this tongue stuff is not
3: Pentecost. The counterfeits of no real languages and fleshly controls of spiritualistic origin have destroyed the soul saving power.
2: So even he was like, if you aren't speaking Chinese, this is bullshit.
1: Yeah. and (laughs) Did I send you
3: one other thing? by the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I do not mean all the chattering and jabbering, wind-sucking, holy dancing, rollerism going on over the country, which is a result of hypnotic, spiritualistic, and fleshly controls, but is a real sane reception of the Holy Spirit and a baptismal power, filling you with a glory unspeakable and, co- and causing you without any effort to speak freely in foreign languages. So even so up to was the end- who the
2: first one? Who was the first one who said, yes, we should speak in tongues every time?
1: I haven't been able to trace that as far as I mean Parham would be just because I mean, he believed that if you are uh, baptized by the Holy Spirit and you're truly saved that you that speaking in tongues is the physical proof. So okay. I believe that he started the whole that if you are a Christian, you have to speak in this way. And then it got picked up along the way. And, you know, I still haven't been able to figure out where the earthly languages separated from the spiritual languages, which is only going to happen once you call bullshit. So I don't really think it really matters where it happened, but um, I think it definitely matters where it started. Uh, Absolutely this is the guy who started sure. it. A real piece of shit um yeah. and so i the reason i wanted to do those the tongue episodes was because of the guilt that i know a lot of us had growing up of you know whether or not i'm blessed or have this or you know i don't have this gift so am i falling short yada 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 and like all the what's you, wrong
2: with me why yeah, can't i do it and
1: sh- yeah guilt and shame that comes along with it it's all based on bullshit yeah it's all like it, right. it was all made up and you have nothing to it's feel just sorry a, about
2: yeah it's just a con man who yeah. was very successful in a con don't feel bad yeah. you're yeah. sane.
1: it's fine yeah uh man was definitely had a lot of issues and apparently had some uh homosexual stuff going on which we are completely fine with but we're not okay with you telling somebody they're going to hell for it and then doing it yourself so yeah um, exactly yeah so how do you feel about old charles parham guys
2: he Uh, i'd say he could eat a dick but he'd probably like it so
3: (laughs) right i don't like using that phrase because it makes me think of jeffrey dahmer
2: Uh, uh,
1: (laughs) my favorite joke at work is to hold up hold up a bag of lady fingers and say hey you guys know what jeffrey dahmer's favorite food is (laughs) (laughs) yeah but Mentor. yeah so, so this is the dude that formed a lot of our uh started off and formed a lot of our churches um there i know that a there's a long list of different faiths and denominations that were formed because of this guy like i said the assemblies of god pentecostal churches the uh apostolic faith churches that you see every once in a while um this and the, the church i went to christian missionary alliance Um, Mm -hmm. was part Mm -hmm. of it so yeah the shit that drives me
3: absolutely fucking bonkers is like the fact that this information is out there you stumbled upon it and you're like hey look this is fucking interesting but there's still churches out there practicing this shit when it's been proven to be made up and
1: well that's so hard with like with researching this guy is that you either get people that talk about he's bullshit because of his different viewpoints within religion and you have another yeah. people that support him but there's no there's no talk of this insane shit that he that had happened because of him you know or i mean no i guess if... of his contra- very very wrong and controversial beliefs even at that time right i mean i but guess you can't way...
2: you can't talk about it or people would be like no yeah that's right. wrong.
1: that didn't happen I mean, and, with
3: what we talked about with uh, the speaking in tongues, and how it's like a, an uh, essential like a cha- a, a, cha- a channel for you to yeah. get your like emotions, your your the uh, what you're feeling about the spirit or whatever you're feeling at that time, like it's a real thing. You know, we like we compared it to music and stuff. I guess in a sense that it's a good thing that he still introduced this because it is an outlet. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I don't know. know. A lot, I don't think that it was think, worth it. I
2: can agree with I can agree with that, but I can also say like the the whole, you know, you aren't saved if you don't speak in tongues.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think in the end it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like
1: he, he his it's just amazing, like you just wonder like where we would be without this dude. Um right. mm-hmm because I, I think something would have happened eventually be uh just because that's how we are as Americans right um, yeah. we're fucking stupid so uh <laughs> not wrong they're, the they're eventually yeah somebody would have put all these pieces together and come up with their own their own viewpoint because that's all it is is you go back to the holiness movement and it's people making up their own doctrines based on what they believe the bible is saying um and yeah it's uh if you didn't believe it wasn't bullshit before, here's another reason. You know, so, right. You know, it's, uh, yeah. So I have washed my hands of any guilt when it comes to speaking in tongues and uh, the lack That's of good. faith I've had or didn't have. So.
2: Same.
3: That's good. Fuck yeah. yeah.
1: Be gone. Yeah. So. Be yeah. Gone, uh, getting, be gone,
2: getting rid of those chunks of guilt one piece yeah. at a time.
1: So really quick before we go I have to read off sources um before so we don't get people arguing or whatever uh Okay what I got be? my I got my okay. sources for the sex scandal from Penthouse Forum Nice <laughs> That's a Sorry go one. ahead In 19, what, 1907, 1906? Mm. Hell yeah, Uh, first one. So, always start off Wikipedia, then we got Newspapers.com, BizarreJournal.com, the Apostolic Faith Newsletter, uh, the dubious legacy of Charles Fox Parham, racism and culture, insensitivities among Pentecostals, Charles F. Parham and his role in the developmental of Pentecostal movement by James Goff Jr., the messed up church... The messed up church.com dot com, Charles F par face <laughs> uh, in the toil in la- launching the worldwide Pentecostal movement a new look at a f- forgotten leader um, by Jeffrey Nelson uh, a rhetorical not a good his- title yeah. No, it's not.
3: <laughs> A Rhetorical History of
1: Race Relations in the Early Pentecostal Movement 1906 to 1916 by Eric J. Jamboli.
3: I mean, at Histori- least you know what you're reading
1: for sure. Yeah. Historical <laughs> Roots, I'm sorry, Historical Roots of Racial Unity and Division in the American Pentecostal Pentecostalism by Cecil M. Robuck Jr. uh WilliamBranigan.org. Remember in commemorating the theological leg- legacy of John G. Lake in South Africa after 100 years, a hundred years, after a hundred years on silo.com. What? Apolastic <laughs> faith in Pentecostal timetable of key events. Um, the life of Charles F. Parham by Susan Parham. Um, the strange history of Penteco- Pentecostalism on deceptionofthechurch.com. So any got other a, sources? Surely
2: you've got a couple more.
1: Oh geez, I <laughs> honestly think I closed out like one or two tabs. My whole entire tab on, on my like browser on my phone is is like 30 about the cure and like another 60 <laughs> about this. And like just like I I'm really bad at closing them because like I I gotta keep them open so I can go back for references and everything so uh the yeah.
2: only one that you didn't mention that i did read
1: is um john g
2: lake's formative years 1870 to 1908 the making of a con man
1: yep that's the other one i didn't put down yeah uh, um so that's how there,
2: unknown it is which is wild
1: yeah so, yeah i knew nothing about any of this it's either known or it's hidden so yeah yeah, yeah it's not hidden anymore man I mean, all you got to do is read his first book and be like, "Yo, this guy's fucking full of shit." Yeah, I feel like, and it's, like it's a hundred and twenty page a lot book. Of <laughs> yeah, I I I read probably about eighty percent of it in in two hours, maybe. So it, yeah, didn't understand all of it, but yeah. So anyway. So that's our episode. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, you can follow me uh, at Chaz X Cure uh, on Instagram or 17 underscore seconds. You can listen to my other podcast, The Holy Hour, where Don Donald, I almost said Donovan, Donald, Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Donald, Gavin, and I talk all things Cure. You can follow us on, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at uh xcom pod you can follow us on facebook at X communication station podcast you can follow us on TikTok. yep yep what is it xcom pod you can also okay. email us at xcompod at gmail.com and then you have in the podcast
3: yeah i got a podcast i do with my wife it is called laughing with you not at you it is a mental health podcast where we discuss our mental health and raising our children while dealing with them we are actually gonna start recording new episodes this weekend i'm kind of Yay. nervous about it <laughs> we haven't recorded cool. anything since uh christmas around that time since i started oh, wow. having my issues okay.
2: so
1: it's been a, it's been a while <laughs> well i'm, sure I'm glad you're getting back great. in it yes Thank you, thank yes. you. I'm looking forward to it. And Chrissy, do you have a book for us to read?
2: Not Little House on the
1: Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really I'm reading Salem's Lot right now. So oh, that's my that's favorite.
2: Good, that's I love that book so much. I seriously though i I blasted through all the Little House on the Prairie books. There's like you read all of them, eight or nine of them. Yeah, because I was getting mm-hmm. ready to read them to my kid. Did you change your whoa, mind?
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. <laughs> Did you change your mind?
2: Yeah, yeah, big time.
3: Did you feel uh, like explaining to your kid why once you get your menses, you have to find a husband?
2: <laughs> no, it was more like they used the word "savages" a lot, oh and yeah. all the drunken savages coming to their door asking for tobacco. I was like, "God damn, dude, <laughs> this is this is." I can't deal with this right now. Oh, I how. <laughs> he had nightmares for like months after we went to the train museum and he learned that segregation was a thing that existed.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause there's like a whole train car that talks about like here, here were the quote unquote colored seats and here were the white seats and here's how it looked. Um, and he was like, you mean to tell me that I wouldn't be able to sit with my friend? And yeah. he has been like hard stressed about it. So I it's, just, you know, maybe we're just going to wait a little bit.
1: Yeah. Kids are taking that now differently than I did yeah. when I was a kid because my kids were like, like they couldn't wrap their mind around that. Yeah. Like he, there was a he time. Couldn't he couldn't either. He
2: was horrified.
1: That's yeah, how But I remember was. when I was a kid, it was like, okay, you know. It's like, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> yeah so yeah that's that's that's
3: that's also good though so i think it also just shows more how we are trying to show our kids like more to be more aware of like empathy and shit so yeah it hits them more because when we were kids there was still a lot i mean i'm not saying racism is gone because by god no means certainly it's
2: not
3: it's just people call shit out more now so
2: yeah
3: i think back then we were just like right back then we were just like that's just normal not that but you know what i mean just yeah. racism like i don't know yeah. you get what
1: i'm saying <laughs> yeah. yes so so don't read little house on the prairie and uh, no don't read I, i've don't i, read I little have house seen every episode prairie. of that show so have um, i so, unfortunately you know i've seen a lot of them yeah. I, I turned it on the other day and was just like i wonder if i remember this And about two seconds in, i was like i know exactly what happens dude so. that is
3: so fucking funny i did the yep. same thing the last time i got drunk i uh, because they're all on prime and i put it yep. on because i used to watch with my grandma and my wife's like what the fuck are you doing and i was like let's see if
1: i know it and i did the exact Good. same thing And <laughs> yeah, nelly um, Bly,
2: she's a bitch no matter when you watch it
1: what was the <laughs> song mr edwards used to sing <laughs>
2: oh i don't know
1: i don't Ed. remember that frying pan <laughs>
2: Yeah, that that's
1: was the it. song. That was that's,
2: it. Sorry. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's go. All right. Let's finish this up. All right. So, uh, you guys can finish up with what you're saying. Uh, so, Peace be with you.
2: And with your spirit.
1: And everybody say, I like my looks. I like my personality. Old Tiger was fine, old man. face, face in a frying pan combed his hair with a wagon wheel, died with a toothache in his heel. He loved the way for old Dan Tucker, it's too late to get his supper. Supper's over and
0: dinner's cooking, old Dan Tucker just stands there looking.